Hello, Black Tribe. Black Tribers. Coming at you with film. <laughs> hey, man, we're doing a new thing today. We're, yeah. gonna, we're videoing our podcast. We want the headphones and the studio and the cool mics. and Yes, but it's coming, but yet. we can't do all that yet because all that stuff is in a house that we can't get to right now, but that's okay. Yeah, still in lockdown, but just but we're for doing the great. fun of it, we have tops on, but we don't have any pants on <laughs> because true. that's the beauty of working from home. That can't be true because we're talking about <laughs> sex today and that wouldn't work. And so, hey, so we're part five yes, of our, our marriage all things series. marriage yes. relationships. Getting a ton of amazing feedback. Really we're are. hearing from married people that have been married a long time, people that married later in life, single people, engaged people. Yeah, I mean, it's just busting open. Yeah, and so we're gonna. What we're gonna do is we've started a Facebook group called All Things Marriage, and you can join that group. We have to prove that, and we are going live with that group weekly. And then on our Patreon, we have a new. A level level 10 that you can go join and we're going to post these videos from our podcast on those just for our people in our facebook group and our all things marriage crew and so uh, you can join us at patreon.com slash gary and lisa black and and get all of those but we're having a great time we've talked about yes. communication we've talked about communication we've talked about emotional emotional affairs we talked about adultery what that does to a marriage um we've just I mean, we're just covering kind of all the subjects. And the one I think a lot of people have been waiting for that we're going to deal with today is is intimacy and sexuality. Intimacy and sexual sexuality. sexuality. And you called it and you're, you're kind of teaching the intern some of this. Yes. So just by the way, she's teaching all morning this week, 930 to noon, and I'm teaching mm -hmm. all afternoon, two to four. Uh, and when we're teaching, we're really imparting. And so it's just stuff's coming out of us mm -hmm. to the interns and incredible day. We have yeah, a lot of was, tears. Today was an amazing Presence day. Today, today was a life-changing day for a lot of us. And so we were really tired. Yeah, but we are fully alive. <laughs> and but we said, let we, this is part of what we this do. This is and important. So, and questions keep coming. Uh, yes. Yeah. And so I think the, the place we have to start is the fact that we have been so inundated by what culture says sex is, relationships are, and marriages that we have lost sight of the truth of what God planned for it. We've been more influenced by culture. And you know what? It's our fault because the church has made this a taboo subject. Okay. And we have not dealt with this. We've not taught our children. We've not had conversations about it. We just don't want to talk about it. But the Bible talks about it in depth and in character. Song and of Solomon is a pretty sexual book for both it's Jesus and our relationship. It's the most and beautiful poem. Man yeah. and woman, I love when she says, my heart went beyond the door and found my mm. lover. And there's so much beauty in the Song of Solomon if you ever seen it. Okay, so I, I, I do want to talk about this before we get started because uh, you have taught me healthy, sexual, intimate marriage relationship. You've been an excellent student. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, wow. Um, this is going to be fun after because it'll definitely <laughs> lead to something. Um, it is interesting to me because you have always kind of had a healthy sex life. You got married as a virgin at 19. We wanted to raise our kids that way. It's yeah. a little bit more difficult these days for these kids. We'll talk about that with porn addictions and different things. Um, I didn't. I had a different story. But share with us real quick. Like you, you just saw, you just wanted to be healthy mm -hmm. in your sexual relationships and you wanted to stay a virgin. Mm -hmm. Why? I mean, why, how did you do that? Yeah, I, um, we did, you know, we came out of the purity movement and, um, it was ineffective. It was not And, good. um, the purity movement basically said, Hey, don't ever think about it. Don't talk about it. Don't even acknowledge it. Kill it. 
you know, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. Sex is bad, sex is bad, sex, sex is, is bad, bad, sex is horrible, only have it with your husband. Like, yeah. it's a horrible thing, but do or it with him. Yeah. Or, yeah. And um, that message was loud and clear. And um, I think really the what impacted me the, the most, and I, I would love to say that I just loved God so much, and I was such a pure little girl that I just wanted to please him, and I was like a nun. But that's not the truth. The truth is I did I did want to please God. I also trusted that he had some type of plan for me, but I watched my sisters go through hell. Yeah. I watched my dearest friends in, in high school and college just really not feel loved or cherished or honored. And what I was seeing with my own eyes was the complete opposite of what the movies were telling us at the time, that it wasn't a big deal, that it was always beautiful. It was always romantic, that everybody's needs were getting met. But I was not seeing that with, with the people that were in my life. I was seeing a lot of chaos come out of it. I was seeing um, a lot of children that were suffering because of it. And I was seeing just a, a lot of pain. So you saw your sisters, you saw your friends, they would have sex you go to spring break and you were kind of the mother of the friends yeah they always ended up in tears and feel wrecked and like something was stolen yeah and so hard on themselves yeah you know and it just it really hurt my my heart that they were so hard on themselves because they were they were sexual beings that they they wanted to kind of experiment with this and and they would just cry and weep and and i thought wow here's one thing i can absolutely decide is that sex is a big deal Okay. And I knew that I couldn't go down that road with a boy and not have my heart broken. And so I decided that I needed to wait until I had a covenantal relationship where I knew that this man was committed to me, heart, soul, body, spirit, that he was, we were in it together financially. We were in it together for life. He loved me enough to talk to my father about it. It was, to me, that was a safe place for me to have that experience. That's incredible. And it was choices that you had to make and Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't easy. No. And so in my experience, I definitely had a sex drive was a little different. I mean, I was basically raped on a golf course at a very young age and I didn't even know that we had had sex. I, I, I was sitting on the couch with this girl afterwards watching TV and I felt sick inside and I, I just wanted my mom. <laughs> yeah. I did. And I was like, did we just have sex? And yeah. she's like, what are you, you like? You were so young. You didn't even, I know. just didn't know. I hadn't even masturbated up to that point. Yeah. And so that set me on a course of yeah. wanting to have more of sex and um, lots of masturbation and different things that I had to deal with through that and even have still struggled with in my, in my adult life of, because of what that did. Mm-hmm. And so we know a lot of abused people and, and I was, I have been in relationships with abused women that don't treat sex healthy. Mm-hmm. What you always taught me though, is when, you know, Michael died or a business was lost or whatever tragedy, sometimes that's all we had. Mm -hmm. And so we'd go in the room and we'd make love and we'd cry afterwards. And it was a beautiful thing. And it taught me how healthy sex is. And I think the reason that we're still married is because we built our intimacy when we had nothing else, we always focus on building our intimacy and not letting anything tear that apart because most couples after they have, you know, a tragedy, they, they blame each other, they rip each other apart and they pull away from each other. And I knew that if we did not come together after we lost our son, that it would destroy our whole family. And we wanted to stay married. Like we wanted our kids to have a legacy of a marriage that lasted and a marriage that they could be proud of and a marriage that they, and they couldn't always be proud of our marriage. There was a lot of anger in there. And that, that disrupted our intimacy for years. We still had a sexual relationship, but our intimacy was stalled because of the anger. Right. 
it, it shut us down. Right. And it wasn't until we started really healing from our anger that our intimacy started to grow at a deeper level again. Okay. So you're going to take us down this road of basically kingdom sexuality, mm-hmm. like the health. And again, guys, we want to make this clear. Sex isn't bad. Uh, you, you people who are not married yet, um, it's, it's you you have a drive and, your sex and you, drive is you want to have sex. And yeah. that's a beautiful thing. And, and like Lisa mentioned earlier in the eighties and nineties, we had this purity movement and a guy wrote a book called kiss dating goodbye. And now he's an atheist and has fallen away from, from the Lord and is bitter and angry. And, and, and we bought rings and we put them on our kids' fingers and, and it didn't work because we told them that sex was bad. We told them that. It we, was... And we told them that don't feel it and don't think about it. And really what we have to start doing is having conversations. Okay. And we need to start young and we need to start with preschoolers and just talking about their bodies. And we need to start talking about, you know, consent, you know, the simplest things like, you know, two little four-year-olds and saying, do you want to pat Sally on her head? Ask Pal, pat, sad, Sally, if you can pat her on the head. And then whether Sally says yes or no is whether Johnny pats her on the head or yeah. not. We don't have to have graphic conversations, but we need to have certain conversations about respect, honor. We need to tell our little boys and little girls, this is your body. Yeah. Nobody touches this unless you want them to. Yeah. This is, this is, you can own this. And then we need to be able to say to our kids, listen, you're going to go through a season of life where your body changes and yours, you are going to have what they call a sex drive and it is normal and it is healthy. And God put it in you, not just to repop, you know, repopulate the earth. Cause we got plenty of people right now. <laughs> he gave it to us for pleasure because yes. Adam and Eve were put in a place and the name Eden means pleasure. Yep. So God's intention was always for us for to be pleasure. naked and, and to unashamed, naked and unashamed and, and to live that way. And what happens, especially for, for men in, in our anger, this is what I did to Lisa, is I, I would make her feel exposed or I'd be critical or angry. And what that makes you feel is that okay. naked and ashamed again and unsafe. And so you hide yourself from me mm-hmm. like we hid ourselves from God once we realized we were naked and unashamed as humans. And, and it just continues. It's yeah. just this vicious cycle. But I do want to say with pornography now in the generation mm-hmm. and with extended adolescence, um, you know, we were talking to a second grade teacher not long ago, and she said that she finds her second graders on porn sites all the time on their phones that their parents have bought them. And so because we're afraid to tell our children no, and because we we tell our kids, no, you can't do that. But then we give in to our kids. Yeah. We're teaching our kids at two years old, at three years old to give in. Uh, I heard Brene Brown talking the other day and she said, she does choice therapy, which I, I, I like listening to it. I start reading about it a little bit, but um, really cool way to raise your children. But she said, when we tell our daughters at two, you can't have that. But then she insists on having it because that's what two year olds are supposed to do. They're supposed <laughs> to see what they can get away with. That's healthy. And we give in then. And we don't follow through. Um, she made, did a great example of, a, you know, if you're in a restaurant and your two-year-old does the banana and throws a fit and you say, you have a choice right now. If you don't stop, we're leaving the restaurant. Right. If you stop, we can have a great meal together. Mm-hmm. And if you don't follow through on that, yeah. what you're teaching your child is when she's 16 in the backseat of a car with a boy who wants to have sex, she has been taught to give in. So she can fight that for a little bit and then she's going to give into yeah. that. And so I find it really fascinating that you're bringing this and you, and again, you taught this to the interns even uh, yesterday and today of sex is healthy. Sex is amazing. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about the health of that and yes. what that looks like. And I don't think there's any bigger attack on the human race than the attack over intimacy. 
because we can all agree, no matter what you agree, if you read the Bible, if you believe that God is almighty and all supreme or not, nobody, I think, can deny that we have to have humans. We were hardwired. We are hardwired for relationship. Yeah, relationship and community. And, and, when, and when scripture says it's not good for man to be alone, he's saying it is not, it doesn't matter if you're married or not mar- married, you need people. Yes. And intimacy does, you can have sex without intimacy and you can have intimacy without sex. Yes. And so I have intimacy with my, my best girlfriends. We can go out and, and have a glass of wine and laugh till we cry and talk and it's intimate. And we, we always touch each other and hug each other. Well, not we anymore because of the virus. But. No, but it's coming soon. It's happening this week. I'm very excited about it. But I don't have sex with my girlfriends. Right. Right. You know, but that has gotten really, really blurred that people are so confused about being intimate and having these 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 intense relationships that it always is leading to sex. It's not always leading. Well, to sex. and the, and you, and you, you talk about this all the time. I mean, the media and our movies and our TV shows, it shows these people, all everybody's having it shows sex. mass confusion and, and it's and there. They don't show the fallout of that. Right. They don't show the, the damage mm-hmm. and the heartbreak and the, all the things that are horrible about that. And again, it's not that sex is bad. It's just the way that we have gone about it. Well, and the especially reason, in the church, the right? reason God gave us parameters was to, to protect us. Yes, absolutely to protect us. And so the the, the place that it is the most uh, it is safe is within a covenant. And what's really interesting to me is, you know, everyone knows I love man and and male and female studies. I think it's so amazing how God made men and made women. And it said, okay, now live together forever. (laughs) Figure this out. Like, well, but you made us so different. And um, I was reading the day that there was this uh, therapist that said um, he's been like doing marriage counseling for uh, 40 years. And he said, when, it, when a woman walks into my office and she says, I cannot trust my husband, it means he's had an affair or he's looking at pornography or he's flirting with, with women or, or he's dishonest or whatever. He said, when a man walks into my office and says, I can't trust my wife, he means I can't trust her with my heart. Hmm. She has taken our secret, special, sacred intimacy, and she has told her mother and she has told her best friend she's exposed and it. she's laughed and she's yeah. made fun of me or whatever has happened there. She's exposed my heart. And yeah. so now I don't trust her anymore. And so men are emotionally more vulnerable when it comes to intimacy and women are physically more vulnerable. Okay. We like to be covered on our bodies. Yes. And men like to be covered of their hearts. Wow. And then we just start the vicious circle, Adam and Eve circle over mm-hmm. again, where, where, Adam blamed Eve and Eve blamed the enemy. And then they were naked and ashamed and, and they had to cover themselves. And then we blame each other. We start getting critical and we're naked and ashamed again. And we have to hide again. Mm -hmm. And and then we remove God out of our relationship because we think he's disappointed or whatever. And then that's why we have the high rates of divorce in the church and just in society as a whole. So, okay. Well, Take us further. Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> let's go through the basics so, here. So when we did hit pornography, I just want to say that, that, um, you know, I would have looked at pornography a lot more and probably been addicted if it was as easy as it is now. We had to go. now you have to fight not to see you it. You know, sneak our friend's dad's playboys <laughs> um, from under their bed or something. And that was the only access we had to like fight to get to yeah. it. Now it's right at the fingertips of every male and every female in society. And it's become such an addictive thing. Yeah. And such a powerful thing that it's really literally 100% of the males that join us on our, in our ministries, check the box that they're addicted to pornography. And so it has stolen 
away what what sex is supposed to be yeah, and what has. sex is supposed it to has. look like and and it's gotten to the point where young healthy men in their their 20s and their 30s cannot get an erection with a real woman because they are now primed because their their mind they're 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 so used to that adrenaline and they're so used to that all the serotonin everything the rush that comes with pornography and so when they're actually with a woman that they're in love with they then they they cannot perform, and mm. that is going to tear away at intimacy. And the the big screaming thing in all of this is the open door for shame. And so our sexual stories, your sexual story, was an open door for shame for you, right? And that sat on you, and then you had to work through all of that. And with pornography and affairs and emotional affairs and all those things, it's it's the shame comes in, and then actually being safe enough with a person that you can be naked and and unashamed. That's what you've taught me is to be so safe and so healthy that you can actually be naked and unashamed, which is where we want to get every one of your marriages or where we want to take you. If you're thinking about marriage or you're doing premarital premarital counseling, like some of you are through these podcasts, which we love, by the way. Um, So, okay, good. So let's keep going. So one of the things that we ask couples to um, trust us on, because we get a lot of pushback on this, is that if you have a sexual past that, um, is truly in your past. Like you, you were very promiscuous or you had some type of sexual addiction or, but you are healed and you are a different, you are a renewed creature right now in Christ and you are starting a new relationship or you're in a new marriage. It's okay to let your spouse know that you had struggles in the past, but if it's not a current struggle, you do not want to be giving your spouse great detail about the things that you did because especially I mean, there's been things I asked you a lot of questions when we were dating and I wish I hadn't. Right. <laughs> because, I wish you hadn't as well. Well, because we started off as friends and I was almost like in a counseling, you know, I was like, hey, so you're divorced and this is really hard. Let me tell you how to get over the loss of a spouse because I've done it. And so I would ask you questions because that's what a good counselor does. And and I asked you questions and you told me things and those things came back to haunt me. Haunt me. Are you kidding me? Five years into our marriage when I was <laughs> home with our children and, and just, you know, taking care of everybody, those little whispers of your past would come back to me and haunt yeah. me. And we talked about this on the last, last podcast a bit, but I want to reiterate it. It's really important that I've got a lot of young men uh, that we've either done their weddings or they're, or they're married and they've been married a year or so. Uh, and they've told their spouse way too much of their past. Mm-hmm. And uh, it keeps, under the guise that I wanted to be honest. Yeah, and, and I want to be totally transparent and vulnerable with you, which is a big deal in this generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we advise them not to do that. And I do this with a bunch of guys that I disciple. Uh, their wife knows they're going to come to me if they look at porn or they're tempted with mm-hmm. something. Uh, the things in their past that can hold them up that sexual things that they had, soul ties that need to be broken. Their wives know they come to me with all that. And I'm going to actually ask them the hard questions and I can go to her and tell her anything. And when that happens, it becomes much more healthy. But when you're just puking on one another, I promise you men, women's brains. <laughs> we don't forget they anything. They don't forget anything. <laughs> and men's brains just compartmentalize everything and we forget. And so yeah. it's an amazing We thing. had a young man come to us and he had had an affair. And um, he said, I don't understand. She asked me, tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. And he said, I told her I had an affair. And now she's really mad. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, I don't understand. She begged me to tell her the truth. And I told her the truth. I was like, because the truth hurt her. Yes. She knew she had a feeling 
feeling, but the actual truth coming out of your mouth really, really hurt her. And so now you have, you have to deal with it. Well, and, if, and I'm not saying you don't tell yeah, your spouse. Right. If you're having an, if you had an affair, you're yeah. going to tell your spouse. But be aware that just the information is not going to bring peace. Yes. It, it's going to bring more chaos. Yes. So as we're seeing sort of fractures in our intimacy um, for married couples, if you are going any period of time that isn't, you know, situational, obviously someone has surgery or you just have a baby and your body is healing or whatever. There's, there's situational things that, that we all have to have grace for. And we have to look at that and say, okay, this is just happening right now because we can't control what's happening. Or maybe you're in quarantine with your parents or who know, or your kids in your bed right now, or all these different things are happening. You got to have those conversations, but you got to regroup and come back to it. And it is so important. It is the most important thing you can do for your marriage is to, is to consistently build your intimacy. And that doesn't mean just having sex. That means looking in each other's eyes. That means having conversations. That means thanking each other, being kind to each other. And most women do not move as quickly as men do. And a lot of women will tell you, listen, if you want to make love to me later on tonight, if you, if you empty the dishwasher, that's really going to help my libido. And I know men don't, don't understand that, but when a woman feels seen and known and served and loved, her heart is going to open up. The rest of her body is going to open up. I just up. did the dishes right before we started He does the dishes podcast. all the time. Because I know it's going to... And he is not lacking out. for intimacy. Amen. But you didn't lack for intimacy before you did the dishes. No, that's true. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not hurting. Okay. Anyway. So what does a man need the most in this from his wife? Oh my gosh. Uh, we, we want to be respected. We want respect. And so when we feel disrespected and Mm. dishonored and we walk in the door and we're cut down and we didn't Mm. do it right with the kid again, or we, we missed the trash again, or we stepped over that pile and all we hear are the things that we've done wrong for the day. Um, and we don't feel respected. It just shuts us down. And and we don't know how to handle it. Those things are probably true. Usually, um, it took me years and years (laughs) until I saw the pile sitting on the floor that I kept stepping over. Um, now I I want to run to those piles and pick them up because I know what it does for Lisa's heart. That took, that took a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, we just, we need to be respectful. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think you've done that well. You've, You've learned because that wasn't always true. But when now it's you're going to find those good things, you're going to tell me six good things to every one thing that's negative. And you're going to say you're going to reinforce who I am with your words. And that makes me come alive. Mm -hmm. And that that makes me want you even more. And so. So, yeah, I would say that about men for sure. All right. And the other thing that is just really significant is that um, as as we were talking about women being, you know, more vulnerable with, with our bodies. I probably had eight conversations today with women that are like, I don't like my butt. I don't like my thighs. I don't like my, um, I don't can't imagine that a man would like me the way that I look and just the insecurity of some of the single women out there. And I'm looking at them thinking, my God, sweetheart, you're beautiful and you're young and listen, your boobs are never going to be this perky again. But my mother, God bless her was really wise. And she told me never point out your flaws to your man. Because he's just happy to have a naked woman in his bed. And I listen to that. And so I give you the impression that I think I'm the most beautiful woman in the world. And you'd be really stupid not to want to be with me. That's... And you bought it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think it's real hard, man. Uh, yeah. Okay. But I, I do. I like that. I think that um, you teach these young women a lot because they, they're so full of shame. 
and they're watching shows and they're watching TV yes. and they're watching these men look at pornography right in our houses. And they're going, I can't compete with this. And so I give up and, and then I'm never going to be married and it's mm-hmm. never going to have, we, I mean, I've heard that this week yeah. a number of times from, from young women that there's no men out there. They're not going to, there's nobody that's going to look for me. And, and these young men, uh, because of extended adolescence, like we've talked about at 30, I haven't even thought about it because the, their parents' marriages were terrible and, and they're Christians and it didn't work. And so why would I go do that and, and, and bring misery to another woman or to a woman and, and to another person. And family is everything. The, the story of God started with a family and it ends with a banquet feast and a wedding and a family. Yes. And so we have gone after all these other things in our lives and thinking this doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. I mean, I, I, I sit with women my age all the time and, and, and they're focused on their career and they're focused, really focused on their kids. And they've kind of put their husband in this category of like, he's fine. He's fine. I don't, I don't need to shave my legs for him. I don't need to dress up for him. But if I go out with my girlfriends, I'm going to dress up and look really good. Well, if you're not taking care of yourself for your man, because men are visual people. We are. I'm a visual person too. Yes. I, I appreciate attractive people, but it's not even so much. Is it, is there perfection there? Or do I look like a 25 year old still? No, I don't. But the effort is there. Yes. And how important is that to a man? Oh, my gosh. I mean, you're always on. You are you always take care of yourself. Sorry, Champ is helping us with our we podcast. Have, we have no. Unless, um, Caleb, you can help us get rid of that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're you always uh, your legs are always shaved. You, <laughs> you always smell delicious. Um, you always uh, make sure you present yourself uh, beautiful. And. Honestly, you try to teach these young girls, especially our world racers who have been traveling around the world. They have hairy armpits. And they have hairy yeah, It's just not taking care of themselves mm-hmm. to show up. Yeah. And it's it's really cool for me, like when we're in class, we haven't been able to be in class for, for eight weeks now, but well, Lisa will come in dressed up, looking beautiful every single day. And then all of a sudden you start seeing all these girls mm-hmm. taking care of themselves and up. washing their hair and dressing better I, I, before I say a word. Yeah. Before you say, I anything. just walk in and yeah. I just, and everywhere we go and people, they, sometimes they look like, you know, that they just rolled out of bed and haven't showered in a month. And I just, I've just like, don't come to me and tell me how lonely you are because you are, you are telling the world, I don't value myself. Wow. So why should you value That's me? That's good. And as a wife, I, to, I would be telling you all the time, not only do I value myself, I don't value you. Yeah. If I don't take care of myself because why do we fight so hard to woo each other? And then we stop and then we wonder why we're not in love anymore. And we wonder why we resent each other. And for a woman, more than that, more than I need you to, now you got your hair done. I I got a haircut. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for getting your haircut and and thank you for doing it well. Okay. Thank you. Because sometimes it's a little too short and I don't like it. I know. So you listen to that. And we had to come to Jesus about your um, wardrobe the other day and you handled it really well. Yes. I said, you're a beautiful man. You work out. We need to get some new clothes. (laughs) Yeah. It's good. Let your wife dress you. It's fine. If you don't give me those two t-shirts that you've been wearing every day for the first three months so that I, that I can burn them, we're going to have another discussion. We don't want anything to remind us of quarantine clothes. Quarantine's over. I'm going to get rid of all All my yoga pants. It's all over. But we've got to step out of ourselves and think about the person that we have betrothed our life to and let, make them feel like they are our priority. They are the most important thing in our life and everything else comes 
if I make you my priority and you make me, I mean, after the Lord, then our children have a stable marriage. Our children have a happy home. Our children, our grandchildren know that they're, they're going to be safe. They're okay. Yeah. Our careers do better, right? Everything if everything good is rises. home, yes. because if everything's good at home, everything's good everywhere. You can cope. Even if you don't like your job right now, you can cope because you know, you're coming home to someone who wants to be with you Yes. and is going to, and who actually wants you and has provided a safe place for you to be. Yeah. Good. And as a woman, the first thing that we can do is we often, when there's a fence, we pull away and we get, we get bitchy silent. We won't, you know, you'll say, Hey, what's wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with me. And then you slam the dishes and then you slam the, and for three days, you're slamming things around and saying, nothing's wrong with me because we want this man to read our mind. And then we're expecting them to fix whatever's broken. And they don't even know what happened half the time. And I met a woman once that had been single for quite a long time. And she, um, she said something about, it was, we were with a, a group of married people and the men were just talking about different things they do for their wives or whatever. She said, none of that would impress me at all. And I thought, I wonder why you're single. Like you've already, you've already decided that a man can't please you and that your, your needs are bigger than, than, than he can meet. Why would a man want to approach you? Well, and I'll tell you what, the other thing, and let's get back to sex here because I like talking about it. Uh, the other thing that turns guys off is, this is, a, talking about sex. is this whole feminist movement that's turned into anti-men. It feels like to me when I see people post, especially young women, that they're feminists and all this stuff from the feminist movement and, all, and, and trashing men. That doesn't attract men to you. And so if you are looking to be married, uh, I think the feminist movement is beautiful, by the way. I think it was it's a righteous thing. Yeah, we should have always had the vote and we definitely need to equal pay. And Absolutely. We need all, all those things needed to happen. All of that stuff. The Me Too movement had to happen. I mean, it is incredible. But what we, we do, especially women who are bitter yeah. and angry, they, they take men. it way too far. And that is a huge turnoff because... We're, we know you're right. We know yeah. this thing is, is righteous and it's justified. And we know we screwed it up. Yeah. I mean, it was a curse that men lorded over women, right? And so now it's coming back around. You need to, you need to, you need to honor that and really yeah. say those things well, because that's very attractive yeah. to, to a man. So let's wrap this up with five things. Okay. Okay. All right. So the first thing you have to know, absolutely, is that sex is good. Sex is good. It was designed by God. It was designed for his people. It was designed to be a place that was life-giving. It was designed to be a place of pleasure. The marriage bed, when it says it's undefiled, my interpretation of that is if it's okay with you and it's okay with me, then it's okay. Right. If we, and the way that you can determine that is if we are living in a place where you are my priority and I respect and honor you and I'm your priority and you respect and honor me, I don't want you to do anything that makes you uncomfortable. You don't want me to do anything that, that makes you uncomfortable. And, and the attitude number two is that it takes time to grow intimacy and it takes real effort to keep it alive. It okay. Is, so wait, back up a minute. Okay. I'm going too fast. So okay. number one, 
is the, the marriage bed is undefiled. Mm-hmm. Now I would say to that, I don't, it's not, I don't believe it's healthy to, to invite pornography into your marriage or another person or another person. That, well, that breaks the covenant. Well, that's what inviting pornography is, yes. is inviting another person. Yes. And so I would stay away from that because it's a covenantal mm-hmm. sexual relationship that we're after here, but it is undefiled and you can't have fun in the bedroom and you're supposed to have fun in the bedroom and you both need to feel really comfortable and safe mm-hmm. as you're doing that. Okay. And then number two is, Number two is, well, I said you have to acknowledge that it's good and you have to acknowledge that the goal is intimacy and to have sex and intimacy together is the goal. But I would say this that alive and to keep building that foundation. What you taught me is healthy sex is that I I can say to you or you can ask me, do you just need to go yeah. and be okay yeah. or do you need to take time tonight and yeah. let's, let's both enjoy this. We talk about it. And we just have conversations about that. And there are times where we're just tired and a quick sex is awesome. Yeah. And then there's those times where we're going to press in and we're going to go. So, press in. Uh-huh. That's what she said. <laughs> I have to let that one go. Oh, okay. And here's, here's something that a lot of couples don't want to talk about. But um, scripture makes it pretty clear that when you come into a covenant with a, with your, your spouse, you, your body is no longer your own. Mm. And so bitter people that want to put that wall up and say, I don't have to give this to you because you hurt me. You, you're, all you're doing is, is taking a fast train to divorce. So sex is a weapon is how it's always been said in the stuff Mm. I've heard. Um, and so, your body is not your own. Even not when your you're own. pissed off and bitter, yes, um, you still need to be able yes. to make love. Which the little trick that a lot of people miss that I think is like it's gold okay. is that when you have parted a little bit because there's been conflict or there's hurt feelings or something's happened, a lot of people, you know, especially women, we want to talk it out before we have sex. I say, let's have sex. You do. And then you're laying in bed together and your, your pipes are clear. My pipes are clear. We're focused. No, it's, it's true. All the pipes are clear. (laughs) You can hear me better. We've been vulnerable together. We've come back together. And so we often will, we will solve our conflict in a conversation after we have sex, not before. Interesting. Cause I can hear a lot of young women going, no way, man, when he's being a jerk or he's been out with his buddies and whatever, Mm -hmm. I am not having sex with that Mm -hmm. asshole. And you're saying, no, no, go ahead. He said, your body's not your own. Make love to him and have the conversation. Now, if he keeps being a jerk, obviously you need to get some help, but. And, and there is a time. And I think that it has to be agreed on between a married couple that if there's a real problem here, like if you're, if there's so much shame or there's, there's so much pornography or there's, there's been unfaithfulness and you are at odds about these things or your, your sexual story is so different than my sexual story and we're having a hard time connecting or a woman is having a hard time removing herself from motherhood and being present with her husband. If you have done that and had the conversations and done the best you can, you need to agree to get a third party involved and bring some wisdom yes. and some truth into your life. Yes, absolutely. Hundred percent. But you can you can spin the weird wheels the rest of your life if you can sit down in front of someone. And it doesn't have to be this expensive counselor, but someone that says, "Listen, this we just can't move past this, but we really do want to stay married and we want to have intimacy." But someone, you know, a third party that can rise above it without all the emotions and say, 
Yeah, we just had a convers- another conversation with another young couple that were talking the D word, the divorce word, and were completely off and didn't know what to do. And after the conversation again, they said, you centered us again mm-hmm. just by listening yeah. and then just coaching them a little bit on perspective. And, and guys, we all need that. We need that. And so don't shy away from coaches. Don't get stuck with counselors again that keep you stuck. You want to get to transformation. You want to get to health. And so that's the key. And right. I would say we could just kind of leave it with this, but the we are now parents of adult children and empty nesters for the first time ever. Really having a lot of fun with that. Um, but we wouldn't be here if we had not worked on our intimacy for the last 20 years. Yes. To put intimacy on the back burner and say, this doesn't matter now. And to do that month after month and year after year and think that you're going to just magically come back together. You won't even know who that person is. And so your children cannot be the rulers of your family. That's right. Your marriage has to be the leader and the rule of that family. And the children come second. Yes. And that's very difficult, I know, and we said it on the last podcast as well. But um, when when you make the when you make the baby's priority, now again, of course they're priority, and of course we we take care of them and meet their needs. But when they we put that over our spouse right. and they're invited into our bedroom, your bedroom is a sacred space. They're not invited into your bed. They don't need to be in your bed. Um, And keep that sacred space in your marriage so your kids know that marriage is sacred, so that when they get married, they do the same thing. And that's the marriage is the priority because your kids are going to grow up and leave. I promise. Well, and you know, obviously when when we had Noah and I was breastfeeding him, I brought him into the bed and I breastfed him and then I put him in his crib. And of course, you know, you have kids that have nightmares and things that happen and you're going to comfort your child. And, but to make that a habit and to not put them back in their bed and to let them walk in anytime they want without knocking or without being honoring. You're teaching your kids that your marriage doesn't matter that much and that they are the king of the house. And so when they get older and they have no respect for you, you've kind of set that up that why would they honor Well, and I walked in one time on my parents (laughs) and I was scarred for life. We've all had that experience. Yes, and so you don't want them when the door's shut and mommy and daddy are in there, leave us alone. Yeah, and we saw a comedian one time said, you know what? You keep coming in. I'm just going to keep making love to your mom and we'll see how long you want to stand there. And I thought, well, a man could think that way. A woman would be really freaked out. Yes. But it's it's just about priority. and It's what is important to you. And do you want to hold on to that grudge? Is it worth it for you to be right or you to be bitter and you to be angry and lose the most precious gift you've ever been given? Yes. Which we all think about sex all the time before we get married. Then we get married and we stop having sex. And because the intimacy lifts and it goes because we stopped pursuing one another, we stopped taking care of ourselves, all the things that we've talked about. Um, and so priority is intimacy that leads to amazing sex. Yes. Right. And ask yourself, do I want a roommate or do I want a best friend that I have great sex with? Yes. I pick option two. Option two. And and you know what that means for us, guys. And, and, and this is a problem still for me. And, and so it's putting that phone away. And dating your wife. I mean, even in lockdown, we had our date nights. We, we, I cook food and we cook food together and we'd play music and we'd dance and we'd put our phones away and we just would, we would talk about things, not work. Yeah. And of course it would always lead back to the kids and their issues, but we, we've got to talk about that because that's how we process and pray. Um, but we did that when we were raising children. Yeah. We, we, always, we removed ourselves from the situation and when we couldn't, 
when we didn't have any money and when our life was chaos, we still told our kids, our door is locked. We're going upstairs. We took a bottle of wine and we had a date in our room and we made each other priority. Yes. And that's why we're still here. That's right. That's why we're still here. Bitches. Yes. Awesome. All right. All right. So that's it. That's, that's it, your babe. points. Okay. So what's our next? I don't know. Podcast. You don't. Oh, no. You don't know we'll where you're taking us it. yet. Nope. Okay. Where are you taking us? Hey, well, we'll see. All right, guys. That's part five. I think um, what we want to know from the viewers is what have we not covered that you would really like us to talk to, yes. uh, talk about because we can do anything. That would be really cool. So if you could jump on our Facebook group, um, All Things Marriage, you can go to our website, GaryAndLisaBlack.com. Um, join our Patreon. Uh, it's all there on GaryAndLisaBlack.com. Ask us questions. Give us some feedback. What, what, what subjects would you love to talk about? What questions do you have? What, what are the issues in your marriage right now that maybe a community of people that are pre-married and married and divorced and going through all this flow that the people listening to these podcasts um, can help us with? And so please do that. We encourage you to do that. And Email us and hit us up. And you don't know what to do next and you want to stay married, reach out to us. We will get you resources. We will pray with you. We will help you find the next steps. Let's do that real quick. Father in Jesus name, we just release heaven over every person watching this. If they're divorced and lonely, God, if they're single and lonely, God, I ask that you would come and meet them in that space and be there, be their life, be their husband, Mm -hmm. be that, that, that joy to them there that you could kiss their heart and make them awaken to the hope that you do have someone for them. And, and father, I just rebuke uh, the enemy that would come in that place and lie to them and try to steal their joy that they'll never be married again or not ever get married. And God, for every, every marriage, it's hard. Marriage is hard. It's work God, we pray for every marriage right now. We break the power of the enemy over every married couple listening to this, everybody that's going through hard times in their marriage in Jesus name. Would you just bring a peace that surpasses all understanding, bring sex and intimacy, no intimacy and sex, God back into these marriages and let them thrive together in Jesus name. And anything that's difficult is because it matters and it's worth it. That's right. And takes time and it takes effort. And, and, you know, again, we're not perfect, but we kept overcoming and we kept showing back up. And so here we are. All right, guys. Thank you. Love you. God bless you. We'll get you on part six in a week. Thank you.